When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. We are brought to you by Aurelio's Pizza. I think that might be the move for me tonight. I don't think I need a small. I think I need a little tonight. They have those. They have little and then small, medium, large, family style. I think it's just a little might be the move for me later on tonight. But if you love pizza and you want to try to explain to pe- people that tavern-style pizza is, you know, what the south side of Chicago is known for, it's really weird how people think that we eat deep dish all the time. It's very strange. I saw some stuff on Twitter this past week where people were talking about that, and I'm like, No, man, we don't. I honestly cannot remember the last time that I had deep dish pizza. Now, granted, I am a radical when it comes to tavern style. I like the concept of deep dish is offensive to me. I'm a tavern. I'm a South Side guy. So tavern style is what I'm about. It's part of the reason that I love Aurelio so much. Man, we used to go there when I was a kid. We'd go there on Tuesdays where it was $5 all you could eat. Woo! We would tear that place up, man. We would tear it up. But, yeah, people think that we eat deep dish. And, like, you got to, you have to, like, prepare for deep dish. Like, it it better be a 20,000-step day or whatever. Or you ran an 8K. Honestly, like now that I think about it, the races that I've run, I've never been hungry for like pizza afterwards. Because usually those races are in the morning, like you're thinking like breakfast food. But it is really strange how people really think that Chicago is just deep dish. We've done ourselves a disservice. Nationally and internationally by allowing people to think that. Aureliospizza.com. If you're looking for a good job this summer, I think that might be a place that you or a young person in your life might want to explore now that they're all back from school, which is exactly what this episode is going to be about. I, um, I've spent the week like catching up on a lot of stuff, like getting my grades. De- DePaul is on quarters. So our school year, I think ours went longer than anyone else's this year. Like, usually it's DePaul 
it's like Northwestern DePaul University of Chicago are usually the schools in the area that go to mid-June. And that's because DePaul, at least, and I think Northwestern are on quarters. U of C has semesters, but, man, they are they start really late. Like They start like the fourth week of September. So I got my final grades done. You know, I, I realized at one point that I was chasing down a student who uh, hadn't gotten in some assignments. And then I was like, oh, that student is a senior. They don't care. I was like, okay, well, you know, let me just go ahead and get this grade in. And they're all set for, they're not failing. So they're all set for graduation. And I'm not even sure that it matters. Uh, so that's what I've spent the week doing, getting up to date with a couple of different things. And I've been a little under the weather, which you might still be able to hear. Uh, I was supposed to be in Belize for Shana's wedding. Sorry, Shana. But that gave me a lot of time at home to just clean up some stuff that I was done with DePaul wise. And it was good because it allowed me to contact a couple of my students and a couple of my students contacted me. And some of them had some some really great news about like the next step in their development, the next step in their career. And I always enjoy that. Like I enjoy hearing what the students are up to. And if I can be helpful, I always talk to them. I always say, if you need an adult, <laughs> I I like to be as helpful as possible with them. And hearing some of them really taking off like after this quarter and doing some cool stuff in the media industry is very fulfilling to me. It's I was going to do a whole thread on Twitter about this, but I figured I have a I have a podcast. It would be easier for me to do a pod and I could also check on where my voice is at after what was a very stressful week for my voice. Here's here's where I'm at. These are some of the things that I learned this quarter in particular. Overall, when it comes to me teaching, I always like the version of myself that teaches. Like, I think that that's the best version of me is Professor Holmes. He's the best version. He is focused, he is kind, he is empathetic, and he really cares. Like, I I really care about what I jokingly say, my kids. I, I really care about my students, and I want them to succeed. And this year, my, my class had some challenges. We, we had a bunch of kids get sick throughout the quarter. It was my first year back in a classroom, and quite honestly, I wasn't quite sure how being back in a classroom after two years not in a classroom was good going to work for me. Um, I've been pretty careful when it comes to COVID protocols. 
and I wasn't sure that this was going to be feasible. But I stayed mass the entire quarter, and a bunch of my, my students did too. I have decent, I have more distance away from them than they have from each other. So as the quarter went on, I, I felt pretty safe, like more safe than I expected to be. And I was glad to be back in a classroom. Like that was, the learning experience is made better when teachers are in the rooms with students. If it can be done safely. At a university level, it's a little safer than, honestly, like grammar school or high school. So I feel bad for a lot of teachers who maybe didn't feel like their classroom was safe haven. And then you add on top of it what's been going on as far as uh, school shootings. My last two classes with the students were after Uvalde. And I could sense some apprehension from them. In that second-to-last class, I mean, it was right after it. I, we didn't even discuss it, but you can, you can feel it. And, you know, I teach downtown in, in a building where you would have to know to come look for me to come, you know, you know what I mean? And so as far as safe classrooms go, it's fairly safe, question mark. But even I have thought about, okay, well, what would we do? How would we barricade doors? How would, would we take the risk of trying to get off the floor? Like, all of that stuff. But overall, I had a really wonderful time teaching this quarter. And I had a great time with the group of students that I had. I've, I've talked over the last few years about kind of the difference between the millennials. Like when I started, I was teaching millennials. And now, what, 11 years later, I'm teaching Gen Z kids. And it's cool. Like I, I had a really good relationship with a lot of students that were millennials. And I I tend to, I'm kind of drawn to these Gen Z kids. And I think it's because I'm in the space now where these could theoretically be my children. You know, I'm 47, and I think my oldest student this year was 24. So, you know, that that's, that's not even, like, a scandal. You know, that's me having a kid at, 23 or whatever like it's not even a scandal so I feel like I I can easily step into the role like it feels very paternal for me to be in a classroom with them and I got some observations what what I've noticed in the last three classes and two of them were on zoom and and now I'm back in a classroom with or I was back in a classroom with my group this past quarter they want to know stuff and I like that like I 
I, I they they're very much the like I always joke about. Hey, old guy, do you know stuff? Tell us some of that stuff that you know, old guy. <laughs> um, the thing about them that I find really interesting. And what the conclusion that I came to after spending three months with them, a little over three months, a little, yeah, three months with them, is there's, I, I think that they need more encouragement. There will be some people who think that maybe we give too much encouragement to young people and that they need, you know, they need a good kick in the butt. I do think that they need a kick in the butt. But here's the thing about kicking them in the butt you need to kick them in the butt of the right direction here's what I came up with in listening to my students and grabbing feedback from them as the quarter went on I think that because they are digital natives because they've always had Google They've always had screens. They've always had search engines to go and try and find stuff that adults think that they know everything. And what I witnessed was, yes, they have access to all of the answers. They still don't quite know what the questions are. That's a scary place. If you don't know what to ask, then how are you going to find the answers that you need? See what I'm saying? So there was some of that with my students this year, like trying to figure out the right questions. There's another thing about them that I want to talk to you about, and we'll do it right after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, so the other part of this, for me, taking their feedback, I think that they need more encouragement and a kick in the butt in the right direction because their dreams are big. I think that the the real positive about how the, the, the positive Im- impact that people have tried to have on these young people, telling them, hey, you can do anything. I think to some degree they believe that, and that's a good starting place. But there's a difference between I believe in you, you can do anything, and I believe in you, let's do that thing that you really want to do. Their dreams are so big that their dreams can be intimidating. And as they're looking for ways to 
find the answers that they seek or you know, find the questions that they want to ask, it's our job to give them a roadmap to take our experiences and then try to help them out. Like, one of the things I love about teaching at DePaul is there are a lot of working media professionals in the communications department, in the journalism department, in the broadcast journalism department. And Carol Marine's got her own, like, subsection. Her and Don are out there really teaching how to do journalism on television and, quite honestly, beyond that. Marley Caden and I were talking, and the type of news writing that she's teaching students is professional grade. What I've always tried to do with the class, and the class has morphed from where it was when I started, where it was really a radio class. Like, I was teaching them radio. But as the industry has evolved, and it's evolved where we're talking about content creation on different platforms... I had to evolve the class and their elements of print journalism, television, radio, and now podcasting is a big deal and working with them on some of the, the skills that translate into all three places. What I found out, and you wouldn't think that this is the case from a communications class, you know, 300 level comm class, but a lot of them are scared to speak publicly. And I was explaining to them that that's not a rarity for people. It's, it's one of the biggest fears that human beings have is speaking publicly. But trying to figure out exercises, like I have a whole bag of notes now on things that I learned from this class that the next time I'll teach in, in next year's class, I'm actually going to start with something that I did later on in the quarter because it was really helpful in figuring out, like, what students struggle with this and how can we make them more comfortable with just speaking. But because they're... Because they dream so big, they really, they want help and they want encouragement. They want to know that they can do it. And they, if you lay it out for them, they, oh, they go, oh, oh, I can do that. Like, I can follow this list of directives or ideas or concepts that will then help me. Like, I don't. It's been my experience over the last three years. I don't find them difficult. I, I find them I find them to be honestly more respectful than I was as an undergraduate student. And I joke with them all the time, like when I let them go early from a class and like go be college students, because that's a really important part of life. And I want them to, to live their life. But I'm, I'm impressed by them. What we've asked students to do over the last three school years 
has been impossible. Now, I'm not here to tell you that it hasn't been hard on parents. It has. It's been extremely difficult for parents and really hard on teachers. But we're, we're full-fledged adults. They're not. They're getting there. And seeing them persevere from that standpoint is really encouraging and inspirational. And I tried to tell them that. And my hope is that you tell them that too. Whether we're talking about students that are in pre-K or ones that are getting their PhDs, what we've asked them to do has been impossible. And their adjustment to it, I'm, I'm in awe of how they've adjusted to everything. Hey, we know that we've, I was joking with my students about this. Basically, we said to them, we know we've never tried this before, but you're going to take all of your classes online. What? Yeah. Yeah. The teachers aren't necessarily trained in doing it, but this is what we got to do. And there's a big difference between if I were to do a seminar, like you know, an hour-long seminar online, that's different than, hey, I need you to log on to Zoom for 90 minutes every Monday and Wednesday so that we can engage on this subject matter. Online learning is different than teaching online. My friend Joanne Martin is the director of online learning. She she can tell you, like she could do a better job of explaining. What we did was that we took, we took real classroom like curriculum like IRL curriculum and then just kind of put it online I did at Alabama I actually did like online learning and and seeing classes that are built specifically and then we could get into the concept of asynchronous versus synchronous I I actually think if I were to teach again, I might go asynchronous because I think it's actually easier for students. But that's a discussion for another day. My point is, is that there's an art, an actual art to online learning. And... Every teacher in America got a crash course in it and did the best that they could. But even doing the best that they could, I have questions on whether it served our students the best. I have, I have real questions about that. And being back in the classroom with them, it, it was helpful. 
I'm getting off the subject. All, I, all I'm trying to say is that in the last three years, we've asked these students from ages four to whatever to we've put them in these giant experiments. And we did our best. Like everyone in education was doing their best to try to make their curriculum pop. But it's not what those students were used to. And the adjustment they had to make on the fly was amazing. Not this past class that I had, but a class I had taught in 21. I figured out that my students were, you know, it's a 10-week quarter, right? And then you have finals. I figured out my students were done, like physically done, mentally done, about week eight. And the reason that I knew that is that I was seeing students like log on from their bed. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're gone. Like their their bandwidth for this is zero at this point. It's zero. And so I, I tip my cap to them. But I really like them. I, I really like their their energy and I love their energy when they start to figure things out it's always fun it's always a fun thing to see the light click on and and people go oh I I get it now and then they can take that and draw from it like I was saying earlier I I like I like this version of myself very much. Now I don't have kids. So this is probably as close as I'll get to it. And I like what I like what comes out of me. I like that I've I've learned some real patience. And I've, I've also learned, usually what it was for me was, when I started out teaching, it was, I was really difficult at the beginning of the quarter just to set a standard, and then I softened until I was a rain cloud and a puddle by the end of the quarter. I'm still a, a puddle by the end of the quarter. I'm emotional. I When I say goodbye to my students at the end of the year, I inevitably cry because they they work really hard and it's appreciated. And that was the other thing. They just need to know that it's appreciated. Like a little bit of encouragement to these students, especially right now, goes a long way. And for those people who think that they're already babied and coddled, I would tell you that they are living at a really rough time. And they're they're not as sure of themselves as you think they are. And it's nice to just to to have someone say you absolutely have the tools to do this 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 and this. Is that what you want to do? Oh, you want to do this? 
okay, cool. Well, let's figure out how to get you there. And then once you you open them up to here's what it's going to take, they can, at least in my experience, they impressed me with the, okay, I'm ready to take on the challenge. And hearing back from them, hearing that there was some things that they took into it. Like, I I always talk about the concept of there's no dream killers in my classroom. Like, we don't do that. You got a dream about working in media? Okay, let's figure it out. Let's figure out what it is exactly that you want to do or that you think you're good at. And then let's let's work towards that goal. And I'm always I always walk away impressed that when you reach a student like there's nothing that they won't do for you. And you know, it's they're doing it for you, air quotes, but they're really doing it for themselves. One more thing, and then I'll stop preaching. Um, my favorite class that I had with my students, I had two great classes, and they were both close to the end of the quarter. The AMA class, which I have at the end of every quarter, the Ask Me Anything, which was our longest class. It was wild. And then my students kind of honestly, like genuinely asked me about books. And... I mean, to to paraphrase, they were like, are there books where I can learn about sports? You know, it was like that. I was like, yeah, there's a ton of them. And that's what I mean by, like, not, like, that's something where they're probably afraid to ask. And then they ask me, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so glad that you asked me about books. So I went into my own bookcase, and I had all, I have, because of the job at the score, like people send me books all the time. So I've got all of these books that I've read that are really like now they're kind of just trophies. And I have a lot of books that people sent me like uh, Teddy Greenstein sent me quarterback dads. I haven't read it yet, but thanks Teddy. I appreciate it. And that one signed to me, you know? So the ones that were signed to me, I, I don't I didn't share, but I packed up about 30 books. I looked like a crazy person. I was telling the security guard, because I was like, here, I have to drop these off, and then I gotta go park, and then I can be back. He's like, I don't care. I'm like, okay. So I, I got the books, and then we just had a book sale. I didn't charge them for the books, I just gave them to them. But I would explain what the book was about. And then they would be like, oh, I'm interested in that. And then they get a book. I had students walk away with two, three books. And they just, they just didn't know. Like, <laughs> or building a Twitter profile. I mean, I'm giving away some of my tips here, so. I said to them, I said, well, who do you follow? And have you looked at who you follow who they follow 
And they're like, what? Yes, like this is how it all starts. I said, if you want, start with me. And then go, who does he follow? Then start looking and you'll be able to kind of pick and choose. Oh, well, this person covers the NHL or this person covers the NFL. And start curating your feed that way. But at the end of it, I have a a group of students that I feel, I feel like went above and beyond. And I'm really impressed by them. And, And a couple of them, Ended up with some, I, I don't even want to say it, but like a lot, a couple of them ended up with some killer jobs. And they were thankful for some of the things that we went through in the classroom. And I, I just know that they're going to succeed. So when you, if you have a student and especially if you have a graduate, I get like this when commencement comes around acknowledge that what they've been through is significant. And I want you to hear me on this. I want you to grab your student by the shoulders and look them in their eye and tell them that you appreciate their effort. Whether their effort was to finish high school or grade school or fifth grade, making that jump to junior high or finishing kindergarten or finishing their master's or getting their PhD. Finishing at a trade school, wherever it is, finishing community college. I want you to grab them by the shoulders and look them in the eye and tell them how proud you are. Don't assume. I guess that's my point. You're probably sitting there going, well, my kid knows. Don't assume that they know how proud you are of them. Tell them specifically how proud you are of them. Because no students have had to deal with this ever. And these kids did a wonderful job on every level of accepting a broken world and going out there and trying to learn. Appreciate you listening. Big thanks to Aurelios. I talked a lot longer than I expected, so I guess I can, I'll can. i just order my Aurelios now. I think I'm just going to go sausage today. I ordinarily go sausage and pepperoni. I think I'm just going to go sausage. Aureliospizza.com. It is the sauce. You got to go there this summer. Just, just go. Here's the other part is, if you listen to House of L, when you order, especially if you go to Homewood, just tell them, hey, I heard about you guys on House of L. I'm glad that you're partners with, with Lawrence on House of L. Because we love our partnership over here at House of L with Aurelios. Thanks for allowing me to vent. There'll be another episode coming real soon.
Talk to you next time. Peace.